0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin, and this evening we are going to be looking at cemeteries, heritage sites, places of burial that are actually under threat. We're having the studio activists from a two particular sites that we are going to be discussing this evening. And just to remind you, of course, that you are welcome to participate throughout the show. The number in the studio is 0214423530. The SMS line is 47913, and the WhatsApp number is 0722380712. And I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. So let's get to the story. So if you've been following what's been happening in in Burqab, you would know that a couple of months ago, and that was in Ramadan, the Tanabaru was apparently going to be for sale. Or rather, it was for sale. Actually, there was an auction. Proposed and there was an advert out In the media and then suddenly That sale was called off because of course The community stood up against it And they said you cannot sell our heritage Now a similar In fact a carbon copy you can say Very similar uh, situation Is happening in uh, The Black River Heritage Cemetery situated on the border Of Rondebosch and Athlone and that's On the corner of Clipfontaine Road and the M5 Highway and we are going to be Talking about both sides because activists are in the studio this evening and they are going to be talking to us about why it's important for us to maintain these heritage sites and preserve them. So let's introduce our guest in the studio. I'll start on my right. You can just tell us who you are and your job description.
1: Um, my name is Mohammed um, Kami Kamadin. Um I'm a community historian specializing in uh, um, the Dutch period, primarily um, Cape Slavery, or Slavery at the Cape. And then also during the month of um, September, I always get approached by Voice of the Cape. And then I also have uh, another capacity that I act in is a heritage um, activist. Fantastic. So
0: I'm first introducing the book up speakers. So of course that's coming and we have Sadiq. Sadiq, yeah.
2: You can just introduce yourself and what you do, please. Uh, assalamualaikum. My name is Sadiq Telfer. I'm a, I'm an architect um, and an urban designer. <laughs> Um, I'm here representing the um, the Tanabaru Trust, um, who um, are the um, a heritage um, organisation um, responsible for the um, maintenance and protection of the Tanabaru burial ground. Um, Fantastic, is, right? Know. So he's of course a trustee of the. The
0: Tanabaru trust, is that yes. correct? Yeah. And now we come to activists from another group. You can introduce yourselves. You are of course the Black River Interest Group, is that correct?
3: Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. assalamu Alaikum. Good evening. My name is Sia Jamal and I am one of the members of the Black River Interest Group. I actually live right across the road from the Black River Cemetery in Athlon.
4: assalamu Alaikum, my name My name is Basil Kutsi, I'm a heritage activist, I'm also a social historian, so the matter of the Black River Cemetery is a matter of historical significance to us, and that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. You can speak Afrikaans if you want to, of course, it's no
0: problem. Just FYI, because <laughs> you started by saying my name and then you quickly switched to who my name is. Okay, so I think this evening, you know what? For our community, let us first go into Black River because um, we know, we we are we have a listenership who's fairly familiar with Itanibato, but this evening we are bringing these two conversations together because. It's important to highlight what's happening in our city and the parallel stories in our city. Just to let listeners know, we have contacted the city of Cape Town, which is the local government that would uh, be in charge of the of overseeing, right? I mean, the laws and so on around uh, what's happening in our city because these are burial grounds, and of course, our local authorities where we go to and we ask them, why are you not protecting it? But let's first now go to the background of the Black River Interest Group. Why were you starting it what is your goal
3: okay well um, let me just give you a brief history about the burial ground it's uh, on the corner of the Road and the M5 highway it's a uh, border in Rondebosch and Athlone area and this burial ground is about 200 years old it could even be older uh, it hasn't been established yet but it's um, owned by the Anglican Church at the moment and they were donated this burial ground in 1880 by a Freiberger lineage of people that you know back then they kind of had the whole property from Lisbig River to Rondebosch and surrounding areas. So, before it was donated to them, it was already in use as a burial ground by people who lived in the area, on the local farms and kraals around in the area. And it's got, uh, there's a history of slave laborers being buried there. There were also um, burial mounds that were in place (coughs) on this ground with perlamun shells. That were found on it Which has a cultural significance Relating it to Koi history So it's got such a rich history And um, there was also a period in 1918 Where uh, victims of the Spanish flu were buried Which were mostly children And they were buried in masses at the site And also there was also World, World War veterans Which were buried there So it encompasses a broad range of uh, era of our history.
0: So let's come to the burning issue.
3: Yeah, the burning issue is that this burial ground, uh, the Anglican Church has um, decided to exhume approximately, well, minimum 3,000 deceased bodies from the ground, with very little, oddly, any public participation.
0: So has it already been done or is it going to be done?
3: It's been done, but not completely because the procedures that were followed were very haphazardly uh, done. Uh, We witnessed ourselves the, what do you call it, the tractor bulldozer claw digging up bones and the bones were like falling from this. And when
0: when did they start doing this?
3: Well, it started in April last year, 2017, and well basically what happened is we saw these construction people coming and putting up a fence there and then a few neighbours came out, the few of the residents that stay in the surrounding area. Um, everybody came out and asked what's going on here, like uh, we could see nobody really had an idea of what was about to happen. So from that it pushed me to start the petition just to check. Who knew about it in the area and we didn't and just in a, a few, like two or three hours I got a petition of 50 or more uh, signed signatories from the residents
0: And why? why is this being done? Why are these bodies being exhumed? Why is the Anglican Church deciding to take all the bones
3: out? Well, the reason for doing this is they have development plans for the site so a property which they Received for free as a donation and now they wanting to capitalize and make a buck on this Well, not a buck, a couple of million It's just not right. Yeah, and to destroy our people's heritage in the process. I think it's so unfair
0: Mm-hmm. So now, of course, in the Muslim community, we saw something very, very similar, very parallel to what is happening here. The Tanabaru is a cemetery in Bukap And, of course, Sadiq, you can come in here. You can give us an update, perhaps, on what's happening, if there is anything new. Um, it's been around... Sadiq, can give, you can give us a bit of history. You can get closer to the microphone. Um, Sadiq can tell us more about that. But essentially what happened is family members, people who claim to own the land... Wanted to sell it for twenty million rand. They went to the Claremont auction house, and this happened. I think it was in Ramadan. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yeah, early at the beginning of June uh, was when it the was still in Ramadan. First, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So such awkward timing to sell this very significant place. Um, you know, the first among the first Muslims, operated there, Sadiq, you can tell us more about that. But the sale was stopped. So, do you want to tell us anything new, any updates from even from the Tanabaru Trust, and what it's trying to do to
2: secure the heritage for Muslim people in the Cape, or not just for Muslim people, but for the Cape? Um, so, just to maybe recap what you've introduced there. So, during Ramadan, um, two properties in the Tanabaru, uh, part of the formal cemetery, um, was um, put up for auction um, with a reserve price of. Of, of 20 million rand. Um, it was a private sale, a private sale for um, residential um, development. Um, what has emerged since that is, well, the sale had been cancelled following um, um, a massive um, public outcry um, um, uh, within the Muslim community and and and, and elsewhere. Um, but when what uh, what we've what we've learned since is that um, um, there are many um, um, uh, legal um, um, inaccuracies that led to the the, um, the advert being um, um, put forward in the in the first place. So that sale um, it was really quite a brazen attempt at um, uh, profit making, um, which um, under any under any level of, of of scrutiny is is flawed with um, irregularity and some, some um, corruption. I yeah.
0: also just want to say that our producer Cornita did contact the South African Heritage Resources Agency as well. We did make every possible attempt to contact local authorities as well as the Heritage Agency to understand why it is that they are not stepping in to protect these spaces in our city which essentially tell the story of our city
2: and also need to be preserved. So now coming to you want to say yeah please uh so um what you've said about the um the city of cape town um just to just to frame um, um the legal landscape is that burial grounds fall under the jurisdiction of the south african heritage resources agency so that trumps any kind of local or regional um, legislation um and um what's quite well known about the about the South African Heritage Resources Agency, or SARA as it's known for short, is that it is um, um, woefully uh, um, undercapacitated um, and is really unable to um, um, substantively fulfill any of its duties in terms of its, its mandate.
0: I do also know that SARA has on its sort of, you know, the people who actually write these reports for developers are actually people who also work for SARA. FYI, like, I mean, I know this, I'm a journalist, I know this, there are people, and you guys can back me up, but there are people who write reports for developers, who want to do whatever they want to do to a building or a property or whatever, they then have to submit this report to SARA, the Heritage Resources Agency, who will then have to come back and say yes or no this is good to go you can develop or not but the people who actually make those decisions are people who write the reports as well to
2: put to put that in plain language for viewers it's it reveals a conflict of interests
0: big conflict of interest that
2: um those it's it's essentially saying the um the judge and the jury and the execution are all the same the same no, people sin. Yeah um, So that, that's something That's a structural um, um, Contradiction Within the heritage sector And also
0: just to say That the consultants The people who write These reports Get paid a lot of money By the developers And that's why It's so disgraceful That Sarah has refused To come onto the show To tell us exactly Why they are not Making more effort To protect these sites And also that The city of Cape Town Is not on here To talk about Their role in all of this Because we also know From my work as a journalist The city has done Very little to pass the Heritage Protection Overlay Zone in Pool Cup that it actually also play a role in preserving heritage. Do you want to say something?
3: Yeah, I'm not surprised that they didn't pitch because we've been struggling for over a year and a half now, trying to get in touch with these people and you know. Okay. Let's go for a quick ad break and I'd like to bring in Kami
0: after this. Let's talk about the lack of action from the authorities and why this could be and what the impact could be. So, yes, this is The Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. The time is 6.22 p.m. Before we go to Kami, let's go to Basil. Basil, do you want to tell us more about the development, the proposed development, rather, in uh, in the Black River? Basil, of course, is from the Black River Interest Group, and they are opposing the development on a cemetery, a historical cemetery.
4: Yeah. What we found is that the reverend, who is in charge of this development has what appears to be personal interest in the development of this particular site which is a registered heritage site it does have historical value and he, by the way, admitted and acknowledged that the Anglican Church sits with large tracts of land here in Cape Town all land that they received free of charge No, that's no surprise Yeah, so what we saw is the plans for uh, a fuel station one second a block of flats and then living apartments we saw we have the copies of the plans yet this reverend here denies that they have made any plans this is on record Um, it's even on record in the court documents when we were at the high court so all these plans are in place we have the names and details of the developer which is already in place in spite of the denial of this reverend um, Michael Bester okay. so It is not a question of what do they want to do with it. We have seen the plans. It is only for them to decide which plan to activate. Okay. I just want to remind our listeners at this point that the views expressed in this
0: program are not the views of the voice of the Cape It's management or staff. We do, of course, welcome all people on the show to share the grievances, particularly on Burning Issue, which looks at issues that need to be addressed in our community. So let's go to Kami, right? Kami, why is it so significant for us to be protecting these sites? We are hearing from Sia about sort of bones being dug up that date back even to the Khoisan period but possibly because of the evidence that is found. We know the history of Tanabarut goes back to the first Muslims who arrived in the Cape.
1: Yeah, the, the main focus is really the issue that the city have to face on a daily basis which is the challenge pro-heritage and history Versus development That is the fundamental crux Can we um, get
0: Can we define development a bit more Because development could be a good word Is develop, What is development in this case this Is it just more buildings Development
1: is uh, Nobody is against progress and development But not unfettered development That is in the hands of, of A very narrow interest base uh, uh, For want of a uh, better name of of capitalism, being the raw face of of changes in the city. This particular cemetery uh, as well as the Tanabaro, in actual fact, all cemeteries actually reflects and mirrors society. It's all about power, status and position. What we achieved uh, in life in terms of status, position and power, those relationships are still getting reflected in terms of of cemeteries so it is the challenge um, is not to allow these heritage sites just simply to be dictated to um, by developers because this is also an archive though people may have been long gone but these are visual archives and if you walk into uh, any particular cemetery it will give you dates, names other than an, an archive So, in, in, in Rowland Street, so this is a visual archive Okay, are you saying that because these
0: people are potentially not seen as important that it's easy to just build over them? Is that what you're trying to say? Because that it sounds... It will be
1: a crying shame that um, that people that are buried there, that was in their lifetime not in high positions of society or high ranking uh, uh, families are being treated by the powerful again in the same fashion, long after they have passed away. So cemeteries are a mirror of our society, and if, not just a, a mirror, it basically tells us what is the agenda at the moment. The policy of the, the, of, of the public policy is in the hands of pro-developers, where money dictates, and not the overall good of, of, of the society that have built the whole of Cape Town. Okay, so
0: let's go now to the Black River Interest Group. What is the proposal? What would you rather want the, uh, you know, what should be done? What do you want from the church? What do you want from the developers? What do you want from the authorities that are meant to protect our heritage in our city?
4: Yeah. We must pay in mind that SARA, who is a Chapter 9 institution with constitutional responsibilities... That is, of course, the South African Heritage, South African Heritage Resources, Resources, Resources Agency. Agency. They have constitutional responsibilities. They have a budget to ensure that these constitutional um, demands are met. Now, this particular cemetery, we must pay in mind that we do not just have a colonial history, but also an apartheid history, meaning that our people who live there were forcibly removed away from this cemetery and now the Anglican church come and say but the site is neglected. Yet, under city bylaws, the owner of any site is responsible for the upkeep and maintenance thereof. They neglected it, the last burial there was 1952 and since then they have neglected it and now they came and accuse, but Uh, 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 vagrants the word I hate is occupying that space it is neglected, the grass is overgrown it was their responsibility So it's a neglected cemetery essentially Precisely, Okay. so they failed in their own responsibility to maintain that Strangely enough it was open, unfenced but since they started the exhumation and we started opposing it, they had money ample to put around new fencing. Now they could secure this site. So what is happening here is that it is a physical removal of our tangible history. The accusation that the families did not maintain the graves is vindictive because where what happened to those families that lived right there? They were thrown on the Cape Flats based on apartheid laws that denied our people our human rights the right to be a human being so they couldn't
0: even go there right was that was that declared a white area or what i don't know what prevented people maybe it was just too far right like i mean some some of of the
4: relatives live today in delft so can you imagine yes can you imagine somebody coming from delft to come and maintain a grave Mm. the one family for instance as an example submitted the names of 13 family members interred in this very same graveyard. When the church discovered this, upon receipt of this name 13, the Cox family, they never ever uh, uh, um, consulted this matriarch of the Cox family. She was just ignored thereafter and they continued with a few in the church that agreed for the exhumation to continue. So, if you look at what is happening in Bukha, the gentrification, this gravesite, it's like they want to remove all tangible evidence that our people existed in what is today a tourism hotspot. Because we are far removed from it. Because there's no way people in the Cape Lads benefit from Cape Town tourism. It's only the very same people that benefit from those who evicted us from these... Uh, a, a Sites that is today in question sounds very familiar, Isadik.
2: Yeah. Um.
0: Okay, but now I just sorry, let's just finish up with the guys from Black River Interest Group. You need to still answer the question: What yeah. would you see as the way forward instead of the development?
3: I will answer that. There's um, many members of the group. We've had a petition of over five hundred uh, signatories.
0: Out of the whole city, you only had 500 signatories.
3: Well, it was at that time uh, when, be, mm-hmm. when the exhumation was happening. And okay. We put a petition out. So it's still running, though.
0: Are you appealing to Anglicans? Are you appealing to church going Anglicans?
3: Well, anybody that has an interest in the ground, and we would like uh, to keep it a heritage site because it's such an important part of our history. Even some of the family members want the remains of the deceased family brought back there, they don't want it in the tomb that uh, the Anglican Church put it in. They where crushed, is that tomb? They crushed yeah. all the remains without certain family member's permission and put it in one tomb in a parking lot of a church in Athlone. In Athlone? Yeah.
4: In, in what they call a columbarium. I never knew such a word existed. Yeah. Because in our culture we recognize the graves of our people. So we were told about this columbarium and the remains were moved there.
3: And this is after the church claimed they don't have money to maintain the ground. They spent, they had a budget of seven million to do this exhumation, build the columbarium and store the remains in there. How
0: are you envisioning, though, a proper? Memorial of this heritage or this important space in our city, you know It seems like so much damage has already
4: been done.
3: Yeah,
0: so how do you envision sort Um, of like
4: something different? We are consulting with families um, Mm. Descendant of many of the deceased our objective is That the Anglican Church hand over that uh, uh, um, Land to a trust which will determine by us and so that we can establish a memorial garden there um, where relatives will have the option to return their family's remains I mean one family with 13 which were not consulted whose permission were not uh, uh, obtained to crush that bones. so we want those that want their families' remains. I don't know how they're going to determine whose remains is who, but that is ultimately what we want, a a memorial garden, uh, which we, the people,
0: will maintain. We have another 10 minutes before we go for the Maghrib break. I want to, before we go for the break, ask Sadiq and Kami a question. Sadiq is of course with the Tanabaru Trust. You are a couple of years ahead. We hear Basil talking about a Memorial Garden. We hear him talking about preserving the space. Tanabaru is that. But tell us about your challenge. Because it seems that you are still fighting to get full control of the land and also to maintain that space without threat. Um, and maybe even, do you have like, yeah, maybe just reflect on what you're hearing here, you know, because this is such a, you, you guys are a bit ahead of the game here. You have this memorial, you have the, but there are still challenges.
2: The Tanabaru Trust is the oldest heritage organization in Up. It's been um, active for a, about 20 years already. Um, that sounds like a long time. Um And it was established by Imamani Basir and you know the late scholar ahmed davids um but um this fight is ongoing um and what it what it really Highlights is the um, the legacy of apartheid is something we still very much live with as an as a daily experience so um, The the Tanabar burial ground was um, Broken up it was subdivided it was privatized During the apartheid period right it's its rights its cultural rights as a burial site was denied Um, and this is still something the the trust is trying to um, Redress. Um, to try and consolidate the land, um, um, to purchase the land, um, to negotiate with um, owners um, around a a fair price. um. How many plots are still not in the hands of the trust? There are about a dozen plots and about um, half of them belong to other um, public entities, trusts, some of them aren't very active and the rest belong in, in private hands. Some of those plots have been um, the original owners have have passed away. Their um, deceased estates with many inheritors, um, which has made the matter even more complicated. So, um, it's still an open question about what the future of the of of, of the site is. The, the trust is now trying to to gain some formal protection. Kami we have two minutes before
0: Maghrib, Um, this is a big question, you can always answer part of it now and maybe after Maghrib we can go into it a bit more, but what is the impact for a society when the the remains of the people before them are exhumed and just removed? I mean, what is the spatial and human kind of impact?
1: uh, Look, first of all, if you recall um, Sarah Bartman whose, uh, whose bones were, were in Europe. And it was repatriated her body, Sarah Bartman, not Sarki Bartman, but Sarah Bartman, giving due to recognition to her as a per historical subject, not just an object of uh, of entertainment uh, as she was treated in Europe. But most crucially, the the principle that was demonstrated was the dignity, the human rights of South Africa in terms of our constitution not just includes the loving, but it's also um, not just imposed but really uh, embraced, <coughs> whereby those that are dead, that can't talk for themselves, still have a, a human rights, so within our human rights culture that was established in post-94. Uh, so I find it very disturbing to, that this issue of bones just being collected and dumped in a, uh, reminds me very much of Preswick Street mm. and when we take Sarah Bartman as the principle in terms of what our policy implementation ought to be is human, human dignity beyond death. Treating those that can't speak for themselves, but their bones or their the bodies, to still to be treated in the same mm-hmm. fashion of the living citizens of South Africa.
0: Yeah, we of course could look at Priestley Street, but later as well. That is when essentially developers encroached on the history of a city by basically trampling over historical evidence and essentially building buildings. We'll come back after Maghrib. Welcome back to The Burning Issue. I'm your host Yazid Kamald, and this evening we have been talking about. Historical cemeteries in our city That are under threat Of course we have various guests in studio We have touched on the Tanabaru And of course we have the Tanabaru uh, Trust in studio And they've been talking about the challenges That they have been facing We've also had an activist group in studio Well we still have them in studio And that is the Black River Interest Group Talking about a cemetery That has been exhumed By the Anglican Church so let's get back to that one in particular. We have in studio uh, Sia Jamal. Sia, what is the help that you are getting? Why or, or why are you not getting help?
3: Well, basically we've approached so many institutions for help, uh, including the CRL, the Cultural, Religious and Language Institute Commission, mm-hmm. and the uh, Human Rights Commission, we've gone to um, natural justice, we've approached legal aid, SAPS, all the various. Yeah, LRC. Yeah, L- LRC. We've also approached the sub council, we've spoken to the ward councillor, we've even given, handed him a proposal for the heritage site. But I don't know, this DA ward councillor, they don't seem to be worried about heritage. I think they're more for development and progress at the expense of heritage. What is the church saying to you? Um, up to today, we've had, we've never even had one sit down with these people. They refuse to come to the table. We've protested outside the cemetery. They put a uh, interdict on us, a court order to keep us away from the site, uh, threatening us With dogs and security, with guns, barbed wire, and um, when we went to the high court, they dismissed the the judge dismissed the case with us having to pay the cost. And why? Why was that
0: dismissed, though?
4: The um, judge found in her finding that there was no urgency in our application. To stop the development, basically, or...
3: Yeah, what the judge said was that three quarters of the summation
4: was, like, completed.
3: But Mm. they had no proof of this, because the project manager presented his affidavit of more than 300 pages on the morning of the court case, and there was no way the judge could have gone through that.
0: Okay. So, I think the concern is, though, that... Unfortunately it seems like a development is going ahead. What are neighbors saying? What you stay near the cemetery, what are the neighbors saying?
3: It's definitely not gonna go ahead because we will make sure that the site remains a heritage site. There's no way they're going to destroy our history at the expense of um, development or you know, whatever they plan to be doing there. We need to keep it a heritage, a heritage site, and we are going to return the family's remains to that site. So, um, we need to also we've uh, given in a letter of complaint to the Department of Arts and Culture regarding Sahara and their inability to also come to the table and help the community out because they've never they've never done anything since last year April. We uh, call them constantly, and they keep on giving us the runaround around saying they, they'll be in contact, they're going to do an investigation, but they never come forward. So, their process is definitely flawed, it's shown also in the Prestwich case, and they still promote the same white colonial heritage, and to help with the coloured people's heritage.
4: What was disturbing about this whole exhumation was that in the presence of the wood councillor, Mr. Mark Kleinschmidt, the excavators have insisted that the bones were those of animals. Notwithstanding the fact that it was actually human uh, uh, remains. I mean, is it possible that so many animals could be buried there? No. Yeah. Um, You know, anyway, yeah. There are specific guidelines when you exhume... And there were many violations in terms of what the archaeological responsibilities is in terms of exhumations and, and uh, the removal thereof. One example I want to give is that they hired somebody with an old rusted bucket. It was packed on on the back of the bucket and moved to wherever we don't know. Uh, and yeah, it they're was, supposed was quite
3: disrespectful to do it in a, a dignified manner.
0: Yeah. Sadiq, you know, like when we listen to how the relevant authorities are being approached and not responding adequately to The Black River interest group does it remind you of any challenges that you may have had in dealing with authorities to preserve and protect the Tanabaru? Because you are still fighting. It seems still to be a battle. Anybody can still sell the land
2: Uh, Yes, there are there are There are a lot of similarities between what we're hearing here about the Black River burial ground and the Tanabaru burial ground, Um, and it speaks into it speaks into. I mean, we could there are particular things about these two cases, but they speak into larger understandings around heritage um, development within a um, a post-apartheid society that is really um, struggling to um, come to terms with its own past. Um, I mean, Cami's uh, mentioned. Kame spoke a little bit about the interpretations of development, but we don't actually ask what heritage actually means, and that's an important thing to understand in terms of in terms of our own um, legislation. What heritage means in a post-apartheid society, what the National Heritage Resources Act um, defines it as, is measures to redress past I- inequalities and to facilitate healing and restitution by empowering communities those are the words those are those are the words of our of our own legislation Um, those are really words you hear out of from consultants from developers um, and um, what what rather we seem to be seeing is um, how to mitigate um, development impacts. So how to um, so not speaking in terms of the um, the purpose and intention of our own legislation um, to correct the wrongs of the past. So this is kind of a fundamental kind of contradiction, which is producing all kinds of um, violences in in our society after apartheid. Um, one, one, thing in, one thing that's very important to understand when we just zoom a little bit out of the particularities of the case is to look at where the Black River burial ground actually is. So it's, it's adjacent to the M5 highway between um, um, the suburb of Rondebosch and Athlone. Now what do, we underst- what do we know about those two communities? The one was a white group area. The other one was a coloured group area divided by a highway. And on either side of the highway um, was a buffer strip. That buffer strip is where the build ground is. Now, what Boer up not just the, not just the, the Tanabaru, but Boer Cup in general, and this site has in common, is that the biggest claims, the biggest challenges to these communities are on what were former buffer strips. So these, during apartheid, were, were pieces of land that um, the apartheid government needed to be vacant, right? You needed to separate group areas, there couldn't be any contact between them. So these were kind of fallow, empty, neglected pieces of land. So it's suited the Apartheid government, right? That they were neglected, that they were abandoned, that they were empty. Mm. But um, post-Apartheid, in the current era, what we're seeing is that these buffer strips, these um, separators, if you will, between groups have now become highly desirable land for development. I mean, we look at Maiden's Cove as
0: well. Uh, Exactly. The city has, has sold land in Maidens Cove that will be developed and Maidens Cove used to be the colored beach in Apartheid because it was rocky. Yes. You couldn't really swim there. So that speaks to
2: your point of now. It's become desirable. Why, why it's important to understand the racialized aspects of it is that, um, as we all call, we know the story very well, um, the um, apartheid regime was 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 built on the dispossession of black communities. Um, but what we're seeing now is that the continued prosperity of our society and the increasing inequality in our society continues to be built on the history and places and communities of of black people. Um, so this is this is what a lot of um, 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 commented political commentators, are now calling the continuity of 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 of, of apartheid. Um, so that's an important kind of dimension. And, and I mean, we're, you're asking repeatedly, what's the burning issue here? And the burning issue here is that we haven't. Um, reimagined what heritage means in the post-apartheid world, that um, our discourses, our practices um, are still very much grounded in an apartheid ideology of, of how we speak and think and act about these things. And that communities are, are still considered people who, who don't have voice, who, um, whose experiences, whose intelligence, whose expertise doesn't count as real knowledge and can easily be um, dismissed and I think it's produced a real crisis in our society with increasing, as I've said, increasing violence, increasing inequality and increasing injustices. Um, And um, um, communities like what we see at the Black River Interest Group um, become increasingly important to bring these issues to light. Yeah, Kami, do you have any input, any any feedback on that? I
0: would, um... Especially, you know, on on the planning of the city and how... You need to speak into the microphone. The planning of the city and how things are going. The continued apparent apartheid that we
1: see in the city. I would, um... Concur with uh, what Sadiq um, is saying, the disparities have remained very much visible almost more than 20 years.
2: Uh, well, they're not just visible, in fact, they have factually... Um,
1: being reproduced. Uh, been reproduced being reproduced and re- in fact become worse. Uh, Yeah,
2: uh, being reproduced as well.
1: So the the key issue is really reimagining our city. On the one end, the city of Cape Town, is uh, saying they want us to be an an inclusive city, but at the same time the contradiction is the Cape Fletch are being more marginalised, made more v- invisible. Because here we have a heritage site, a prospective heritage site, which has so many layers. For instance, mention was made um, earlier that it were military graves are there currently. Uh, the 100th anniversary in a 100 countries that participated in World War One are being celebrated in all the British Commonwealth countries, Canada, Australia, etc. You may call them colonial, but a 100 countries, the others that also fought in that war are all the black soldiers from India, from South Africa, from Kenya, all the former the British the Mania, Dominion countries black soldiers contributed towards World War One, And the impact of World War One—that that is 100 years pretty much soon, uh, uh, in, in in November, the impact of that one, in terms of Europe, the impact of that is it impacted on the generations to reproduce themselves in Europe. The, the result is Europe have currently al- can't reproduce themselves, they have a labour shortage, and they have to continuously uh, import uh, um, uh, Turkish gas uh, workers in, in Germany, and that goes for all over Europe. But that is because of World War One. But in terms of ourselves, if you look at uh, what cemeteries represent, cemeteries represent the issue of public policy. With the with the smallpox in 1713, that wiped out uh, the indigenous population. May uh, a quarter of the white settler community was was wiped out. Uh, in in terms of 1755, in terms of the second uh, smallpox um, epidemic. And so it all goes on. All the medical milestones in South Africa is reflected in these uh, uh, um, cemeteries. And you also have mentioned the Spanish flu when the soldiers returned from Europe it impacted on on the local community. When I was very small, I think probably four or five years old, my granny said the colored community is supposed to have been doubled the white community. But because of the Spanish flu, we are now much a marginally numerical minority in terms of the, the the two communities. And academics around the Spanish flu Supported me. Locals, uh, historians disagreed and said, "No, no, what I'm saying is an urban myth." But then, Spanish scho- uh, flu scholars and other parts of the world supported my granny statement. Okay, I just and have
0: to, yeah. I just have to say something that, as a person of color from Cape Town, I find it really disturbing that our heritage is being removed and erased from this very land where we are from in favour of capital, in favour of property developers, you know
4: because that is what I am hearing from the people around the, around the table here mm-hmm. If I can come in there mm-hmm. um, what what is significant, what stands out was when we consulted the DA councillor, Mr Mark Kleinschmidt and his response to all this was that we must wait for when the rezoning process starts Now what does this mean? This means that instead of the councillor, on behalf of the DA, the city management, local government, stand up in the preservation of heritage sites. He rather advised us to stand back, wait for the rezoning application, by which time, this site would be destroyed. So that's essentially saying wait until it's no longer Precisely. a cemetery. Yeah. yeah. So. When it is no longer a cemetery, which would have reduced our efforts to preserve this site to with at least 99%. Okay. Which is very poor advice on his part. And he, he did not show much enthusiasm to actually assist us. Remember, this is not an application for a heritage site. It is already a heritage site i can't help
0: but feel a bit hopeless hopeless yeah like almost helpless actually you know it feels almost like you've got everything against you whether you are you know in the black river situation or whether you're in book up or it's just it feels like the systems aren't interested in protecting people of color am i even correct in saying that am i the only one feeling that how do you talk to me yeah
4: you know that is correct i share your sentiment there When SARA responded to our call for assistance That's the South African Heritage 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 Resources Agency Mm -hmm. When they responded by sending two of the people from Johannesburg Instead of the two from SARA coming to consult with us They consulted with the archaeologist This happens to be an archaeologist based in London Again, external interest So this archaeologist, this lady, was paid huge amounts of money. We still have not seen the archaeology report. What is strange is that at one corner there was a water lock. When we had the case at the High Court, in a few days thereafter, this water lock section was now also done. But there are no evidence that those remains were also exhumed and removed so that should because it's a heritage site that report should be a public document because that site is in the public interest Mm. but like i said from the da side through its counselor there was no real effort to assist us instead of giving us this poor advice to let the process continue let's go for a quick ad break we've got 20 minutes
0: left to chat about this listeners you are welcome to participate in the program the lines are open you can whatsapp or
3: The Burning Issue
0: Welcome back to Burning Issue I'm your host Yazid Kamaldin And Basil you said something interesting In the break Share your thoughts please
4: When it comes to the preservation Of heritage sites the those behind the gentrification in Cape Town specifically knows that we cannot compete economically financially with them and this is sort of giving them carte blanche to promote their development plans they're offering our people millions of rands knowing full well that it is a treasure to our people and a mere investment to them this is what's happening in salt river woodstock and it's going to escalate that is why book up is on the agenda i have seen when taking tourists there what the intentions are to remove our tangible history and our presence uh, in order to, r- to promote european tourism in cape town i am yet to find tourists who are exposed to anything other than a small europe in cape town and this we must resist. The removal of the Black River Cemetery is no accident. It is by design. In 1972, the Anglican Church already indicated that it will develop this Black River Garland Cemetery. 1972. I must congratulate them on their ability for long-term planning. They really have all the patience in the world. So now, instead of, as my colleague here has indicated, instead of showing respect for our heritage, there is this attempt to remove everything tangible about the slave history and the Khoi history. Because the shells that were found in this Black River Cemetery is indicative of how the Khoi people buried. And this is also on record, it's a historical
0: fact. I just want to bring in Sadiq and Kami as well. I believe that there's another cemetery that's also something that you're looking at.
2: Uh, uh, Yes, Kami um, and um, myself are both uh, involved in um, the rehabilitation and the um, heritage, heritage revitalization of a slave burial ground located inside the University of Cape Town. So, this is something like the main campus the yes the main upper campus the okay. middle the middle oh, campus oh, middle the campus university. okay yeah so the upper campus um, is um, is the historical campus of the university, but during the apartheid period the um, the campus was massively expanded down towards the the main road. Um, and it was during this time that um, a burial ground that was located in the middle campus was um, destroyed, most of it had been destroyed for the expansion of the university and there's little record of any kind to what happened to the remains of um, of, of, of slaves and indigenous groups who were, who were buried there. So the land of UCT actually dates back right to the early um, colonial period um, and Cecil John Rhodes. So it was one of the largest slave plantations in the Cape. Um, and this is where the people who'd been rem- removed from the East, many, most of the people who are buried there would either be Muslims or um, would be indigenous Khoikhoi or Sand people. Where is this now exactly? Um, so for those of you who are familiar with the UCT, it's located between um, the new School of Economics on the middle campus and All-Africa House, which is um, uh, um, an academic residence. So most of the historical burial ground is actually, like three quarters of it, is actually under under another building. And what's remained there is there, there are no tangible remains left. Now, why, why it's so important to um, revitalize... Um, and remember sites like this, like, like the slave burial ground in on, on, on UCT, like the Tanabaru and like the, um, on the Black River, is that it indicates that black communities have an historical belonging. They have um, cultural and human rights that tie them to the land. Um, so, I mean, if, you, if uh, a lot of you would know also a lot of the political struggles and protests that have happened on UCT, and a lot of that is about inclusion of black students and black academics, but what sites like this say is that black communities have, have always been part of that, spa- of that space, um, and um, their, their, their history, their um, relationship to the land, that they've actually built that campus physically. Physically built that campus, that history has been unwritten um, and, it's and erased, and erased, disappeared, um, and it's and it's a, a, a labor of of our community leaders and our intellectuals um, um, to rediscover that that um, that heritage. Um, the this is this is a, a zero sum game. Um, that it is through claims to the land. Um, claims to the economy that built this 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 country, um, that black communities find a place in our society, um, and what we're seeing is the continued erosion of that claim to to belonging to this land. Uh, which um, um, makes our makes our place here more and more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to just re-
0: reflect again on the nuances of this black community. You talk of a black community, but if you looked at the nuances of the historical links, do you, w- w- who are these people? Who were they again? You had mentioned it just now.
2: So. In terms of the the burial ground on UCT, yeah. um, it like I said dates back to um, the 17th century when when colonists first arrived here. Um, with um, um, uh, European diseases, most of the indigenous um, um, groups were decimated, so they could not um, they could not serve as a um, a sustainable labor cheap labor supply. So what happened? What the um, um, Dutch East India Company did was they, they, they imported slaves by force from their other possessions in the East. Um, along the Indian Ocean coast so most of that would have been established uh, Muslim communities who were were traders that were brought here so um, there are historical records which um, in fact name a lot of the the people who are buried there they um, um, as I said they are Muslims they are Khoikhoi. they are um, San um, they are women they are um, child slaves um, and we have we have archives that 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 yeah. I was just interested in
0: the nuances nuances of it because our understanding of black today is black African. Sorry, rather broad-speaking black people of color. But when you say black, I just wanted to get into the, of right, that period. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that we understand really where these people came from, instead of just making a generalized, broad-sweeping
2: racial kind of category. You know. So when I refer when I when I talk about black, I refer to it in the way that that it was defined by um, Steve Bantu Biko. Yes, and which is the broad-speaking people of color. Which is black. which is black as 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 um, uh, um, a collectivity of. All um, 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 enslaved, former enslaved and dispossessed communities who experienced um, the brunt of colonialism and apartheid. So that includes um, all apartheid's um, non white race categories black, colored, Indian, Malay, etc. Okay. Look. Can, um, yes, please. Mm-hmm.
1: In terms of the <coughs> UCT Rustenburg, um, I was asked um, at UCT once it uh, in a se- in a seminar addressing some master students, and it was presented that the UCT power Rustenburg public participation process was a charity on the part of the UCT authorities, and I had to correct the students to to say that in terms of the SARA X Section thirty six, in terms of the burial. It says clearly uh, descendant communities needs to be consulted. So I said the public participation process is a byproduct of our constitution and our legislation. It wasn't a charitable gesture on the part of the authorities. However, the twin side of it is civil society needs to be stronger, civil society needs to come to come to the fore and Heritage uh, uh, conservation uh, bodies are primarily, in terms of the historical um, uh, settler communities that are taking care of their particular interests, but within our own community the definition as Sadiq was saying in terms of heritage and the legacy of heritage um, is not properly defined. People have no clear consensus and therefore social cohesion is really necessary. Recovering and reclaiming our heritage that have been non-recognized up to now is a pivotal element of social cohesion uh, of South Africa post-1994. So my appeal would be that heritage needs to have owners. And it can't be just heritage practitioners that have ownership of I am heritage. so
0: glad you are saying this because, you know, burning issue, I'm just going to say it like it is, right? When we talk about gangsterism, when we talk about drugs, when we talk about issues of the now, the lines are flashing. People are phoning in. They are sending in WhatsApp messages. I understand listeners, of course, we have many... What we call silent listeners who don't really participate in the show. But it seems like people are not engaging enough on heritage topics. Maybe people are too caught up in the challenges of the now. You know, like just, I need food for my kids. Why must I worry about a cemetery of 200, 300, 400 years old? I mean, Sadiq, so is it challenging for you at the Tanabaru Trust to get the community activated and interested in the work that you are trying to do, which is to preserve the Tanabaru? Because, you know, unless it's being sold, it seems that people aren't really
2: taking interest. Unless it's a bit of action or drama. The difference, The difference. we've spoken about similarities, the difference with the Tanabaru, and and this is the difference of Borkap, is that it is, of course, the only... Um, black or non-white community that has survived the ravages of apartheid in the city that's something quite unique Um, so when the Tanabaru itself became threatened um, uh, earlier this year. Um, what the outcry that what precipitated that outcry was that the Muslim community within Bokap and beyond Borkab, um saw this as, as a threat to its own identity, a, a kind of a part of its own soul. That was being. Yeah, but we 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 asking the question about the participation.
0: Mm. He had mentioned, civil society needs to be taking up
2: these, what, these,
0: what, these things. You well, know?
2: what made the difference there was was exactly that, it was um it was a public outcry. It was civil society, um, um um standing up against against the market. But is this an ongoing interest, or is it just when there's a bit of drama? I think unfortunately, um. um Heritage only becomes real to many people um, when it's when it's in under threat of and imminent, that's what I'm imminent to. kind of destruction. That's what I'm coming to. Now, what 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 um, what our constitution, what our laws say is that heritage is this is is the centre of redress. It's the centre of restitution. So, when we talk about housing, when we talk about the political parties, when we talk about the economy. Heritage is a part of all of that. Um and um we need to start to understand that our, our history is what is what holds us to our families, to our communities, to our homes. Um, um and um the neglect of this um, um um particular aspect of our of our cultural identity um is 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 really what I, I understand to be really what's what, what's holding back um, um, the society from changing from an apartheid one to a post-apartheid one. What what the Tanabaru Trust and the, and and the Tanabaru I think it it I think it does provide um, um, a, 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 a positive. Um, 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 case or a role model if you will because in all these other sites like Black River our communities have been so torn apart so fragmented that um, there's very little cohesion. Civil society is incredibly weak in our in, in in our culture and in our in particularly in our communities because of this ravages of apartheid. Yeah, and we need to find. But a the way funny to thing is, oh. during
0: apartheid, we have seen so much mobilisation against apartheid, and it seems almost like now everyone's too caught up in the individual goal. Um, I just quickly want to say that my comment seemed to have awoken some listeners. Listener 0115 I sent through a WhatsApp message, saying. The reason why silent listeners are not participating is because fighting injustices is, is an uphill battle and seldom won. And then, listener 6146 says, As-salamu Alaikum, people don't partake in such discussions because they cannot emancipate from their colonized heritage. And furthermore, my comment has elicited even a phone call. Asalaamu Alaikum, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue.
3: as-salamu
0: Alaikum. Wa Alaikum, salam.
3: I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but how can Mark Lane Smith, the Counselor, said the remains of some graves are of animals, without making, you know, investigating by you know? <laughs> he didn't say so that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Afwan, we, Afwan, we, we of course heard from one of our guests who said, hey, can you just clarify that point, Sia? Can you just clarify the point where you said that Mark Kleinschmidt,
4: well, who said that Mark um, said that the bones are of animals? Yeah, um, I mentioned that and it is not Mark Kleinschmidt that said to us, this. this was in fact said to him. when he but So you inquired. repeated it? Yes, Okay. when he inquired about the bones, when we identified it as human, um, he was informed. Uh, a lady that it was in fact animal bones and who informed him who informed him the archaeologists and the assistants on the site on the okay thanks day. for that clarity um,
0: let me just check do we need to go for a break okay let's go for a break
1: at ShopRite we're inspired by people who hustle people who dream big work hard and think smart we ask South Africans to share their hustle with us on Shopright.co.zA. here's one of them
4: Hi, I'm Shakib Sassman from Supreme Fireplaces and All-Seal Fabrications. I would just like to thank ShopRite for the 10,000 Rand cash injection, as well as marketing at the value of 70,000 Rand, and putting my name out there, as well as putting me in all the papers. I would like to thank him for that as well. Thank you, ShopRite, for everything. I am very grateful.
3: ShopRite.
0: Low price you can trust. Always. To Your Health, we pride ourselves in providing our clients with clinical and professional health services by qualified, courteous and well-informed staff. We
4: specialize in live blood analysis which helps to enhance and improve your health. We also stock a wide range of health products. So, whatever your health requirement,
0: call us on 021 671 2469 for a
4: free consultation with Ashraf. For your convenience, To Your Health is open seven days a week
1: it's our birthday we are extending our quai sale we will be selling all fabrics for only 14.99 per meter that's all fabric for only 14.99 per meter sale is now on and extended until saturday the 29th of september our trims are also selling at cost price so hurry while stocks last Find us at number 2 Victoria Road in Woodstock. Phone 021 801 2483. Quiet lapis, quiet prices. Quiet prices.
4: Quiet lapis.
0: So we are in the last stretch of the program. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. It is now just about 7.41pm. Shukran listeners you are interacting with our show we thank you for that. Two new WhatsApp messages have come in. One from 0115 taking a political twist here saying one thing is for sure the Democratic Alliance has no respect for all the so called colored people and our heritage sites but yet we are going to vote them into power again and they will just continue with their gentrification and apartheid policies against us. Then listener 184 Three says I'm listening to everything, and there was a family that wanted to sell the cemetery in Claremont, and of course that is a sale that happened some years ago. Come a, has informed me, but it has been stopped. It had been stopped at the time, right?
1: right? It, it could never take place because the family had, uh, that wanted to sell it off never a title hold. Okay. So it. Rever- Thank you. We are in the
0: last few minutes of the show. What did you want to say about disassociation, very briefly, yeah. and then tell us how you can people can get involved with the trust and with your Black River project? Yes. Yeah. Thank
4: you. One of the reasons why people disassociate themselves from civil movement or civil reaction is was that during apartheid, our history was presented to us as something ugly. Uh, they used caricatures, and one in particular comes to mind was that of Sarah Bartman where the caricature was planted in our mind how ugly and uh, uh, inhumane-like the Khoi people were. The same happened with with the slaves that were brought into the Cape. It was a negative presentation of those history and at the same time the colonial or the white history was um, presented as something beautiful and good. So this this disassociation is why we have a problem mobilizing our people in the preservation of our sites. What I want to say to the Wow, that
0: is profound. That is profound because actually I think we have a beautiful history and we are beautiful people. Yes. People better recognize that.
4: That that history was suppressed. Actually recognize that, please. Yes. That history was suppressed. And I'm thinking specifically about the synod of 1913 of the Dutch Reformed Church, where the topic of the synod was are the Korean Bushmen people human? Or animal. Guys, we're gonna wrap up soon. That was 1930.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to wrap up soon. Yeah. Let's focus on your project going forward, please.
4: So, yes, because of this, we have three sorry, minutes. Sure. By the way, yes, yeah, we need the community to assist us as the Black River Interest Group, including the, what is happening in Abuja, to save our history, to preserve our heritage, and so that we can move together. In saving our soul, and our how identities. can people do that? Sia, tell okay. us how. Yeah,
3: see Yeah, the face of racism has changed, but it's still institutionalized racism. So please, people, stand up. We've got a petition going uh, at change.org, the website. Uh, it's heritage Western Cape, South Africa. Keep our period heritage sacred. We've also got a Garlandale Black River page, and we'll keep you up uh, posted on. Uh, further updates.
0: Nizam just sent us a message. This is also a very interesting message. Okay. Nizam, listener 7505 says, heritage, dis- heritage discussions are not normally a familiar topic that most people know. I only became to learn about it via this radio. No emphasis is being placed on its importance in school or anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I mean, I'm going to say that it does sound that the church, in particular the landowner, has done so much already in preparation for this development. It seems almost like you've lost, and I don't mean to dispirit you, but wh- how do you turn this around, Sia and Basil? What do you do? How does the public get involved?
3: We need to oppose these institutions, because it's still the same. They're still promoting the, the white um, colonial history. We need to put something in place to stop these guys, because our future generations will not benefit. So can this. people
0: find you on Facebook? Can people find you on Facebook? Black River Interest Group? Are you on Facebook?
3: We've got the Garlandale Black River page, and we'll keep you updated on what's happening there. We've also... Planning an artistic expression of heritage uh, around the t- so basically on the twenty ninth of this month at the site. So just keep.
0: Okay, eyes fantastic. Open. So any closing comment from you? We do
2: have little time. Uh, just just generally, I think uh, one of the one of the major shifts that needs to happen is we need to have increasingly more. Um, community heritage activists like Sia, Kami and 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 Basil here. I think um, the the heritage sector is 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 deeply flawed in that it's it's it, there it is a there is a cultural hegemony mm-hmm. around. Kamee, your
1: he- last you know. words, please. My last would be uh, would be to uh, appeal to the to the youth to come forward, because one key issue that was brought to light here, our heritage will always be dotted lines. Mm -hmm. While we have a particular community uh, as the only ones to be in the heritage practitioner sector of Kanita Sami comes to mind, Ron Martin. Anyway, and the point is more of us should get involved. Thank you so much. For Korea, Thank you. Must uh, take it up as a career. Being archaeologist, being ar- Yeah. Archaeologists, Listeners, being we
0: have come to the end of Burning Issue from myself and all our guests. Alaikum. I'll be back next week. It's Yazid Kamaldin signing out.